Listeners, welcome to the Woven in Truth podcast. I am so excited to be with you today. Uh, my name is Kelsey Kamanayan. I don't make an appearance here very often, but I am joining you today with Mallory, our host, and she is going to introduce our special guest speaker today. Yes. Thank you, Kelsey. I love having you on here, everybody. Quick shout out to Kelsey. She's an amazing member of this pod squad alliance that we have. I just want her to know how very much we all adore and appreciate her. So I'm excited. We're co-hosting this together. I would also love to introduce our special guest on this podcast today. A big thank you and welcome to Patty Mata. Patty, thank you so much for doing this with us. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Oh man, we are thrilled about this episode and cannot wait for this conversation. So can you hit us and the people listening with some Patty Mata like fun facts, please, to get to know you a little bit? Absolutely. So uh, I'm a proud dog mom, Landon. Um, he is a beautiful creature and basically my physical child. I am also Canadian. Um, for those who don't know, I'm actually from Nova Scotia, Canada. Cool. The most beautiful place in the world if you have not been there. And um, I don't want to say the most basic white girl thing but I do feel like I'm a mermaid like I'm waiting for my aquamarine moment if you understand the reference but um just love being by the water and I'm just waiting for my gills to come in I think Uh so that's Uh all that's kind of missing but (laughs) I love that you're a mermaid that is literally the best fun fact I could have ever envisioned for this my daughter has a mermaid room so I, I hope you would feel at home in there. Like I love it. Yeah. Yeah. She gets it. She gets she it. She totally gets it. You guys are soul Mermaids sisters. are definitely my favorite. Uh, that is so great. Um, well, and I love that your dog, I love when dogs have like human names. <laughs> yes. It's like when he also has very like human qualities does too. He? He's, He's one of those. He very much assumes himself to be an adult in our household. Right. So. Right, like a contributing member of society and the family. Like, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish I could, like, hang out with Landon right now. Um, but alas, we are on Zoom. Um, so we are going to be kind of talking about and unpacking image today. Why is this something that you personally are passionate about? Great question. And a journey for me that I started uh, a few years ago But even kind of going back to why I became a Christian, deciding to follow Jesus, like when I think about scriptures like John John 10, 10 or John 8, 32, I am so grateful that Jesus really desires for me to live in freedom, that that is the good news Mm -hmm. of the gospel, right? That I get to have this new life. And what's hard, I think, long-term as Christians is remaining in that freedom and not going back to things that can kind of hold us hold us down or the bondage that Jesus is ours to free us from. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time, uh, you know, my whole life, I've been absorbing messages and teachings around image, what I should look like, um, and, and what I should reflect, essentially. Right. And I think my journey with this as far as, like, intensifying in a harmful way, I think became more and more apparent through college where I just felt this constant insecurity and desire to micromanage my body and my Mm -hmm. appearance and the way that people received me. Mm -hmm. And it was just interesting because when you, if you were to ask me even on a sin level, what's okay, what's not, what's honoring to God, what's not, there was a clarity to me, but when it came to image or the way that I dealt with my body, that just felt very muddied Right. and realized that there was this level of normalizing negative thoughts towards myself that just was never addressed and never really dealt with because it just felt like such a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually reading this excerpt from this book called The Beauty Myth, And it was written by this very controversial feminist writer, Naomi Wolf. 
and uh, really some spicy things um, that she says, but there is one part in this book in reference to religion that I found to be quite uh, important, even just within what we're talking about. Um, But she says, the magazines transmit the beauty myth as the gospel of a new religion. Reading them, women participate in recreating a belief system as powerful as that of any of the churches whose hold on them has so rapidly loosened. The social order imposes it as eagerly to supplant religious authority as policing force over women's lives. And, right, just pause there. Right. <laughs> um, I found that to be so convicting personally because I'm like, one, this isn't even a person of belief, right? But from her observation, she's observing this worship of beauty, this, this worship of uh, image, and, um, again, if there's not like from a Christian perspective, it's like, man, if I'm not careful, am I actually clear about who I'm reflecting? Wow. And I think part of the misconception, uh, even just from a faith perspective is that image doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That image is superficial, that it's something that we shouldn't care about when, you read the scripture that's just not true Mm. uh that image actually matters a lot but what matters most to god is that the image we reflect is his and not the carbon copy images that the world has to offer so i think for myself when it comes down to it i just have seen image and the misconceptions that i have around it as being something that either continues to allow me to live in the freedom that Jesus has to offer or the very thing that robs me of joy in Christ. Wow. That is so powerful and so true. And you're right. I think even in, I I must admit too, I think in Christian circles, we act like, oh, it's not about what you look like, your love, you know, love yourself, like just love God, love others, you know, and those are great concepts. But like at the end of the day, like we do think about this stuff and we are inundated with a lot of messages and a lot of narratives just from external forces, but also even internal narratives that we grow up with. And so I think this stuff really matters and you're right. We should talk about it and we should, you know, take some time to explore like, God, how do you want us to navigate this and think about this? And I love that you're saying we do, we should think about image, but it's, Mm -hmm. we can do that in a very biblical, spiritual and genuine way that promotes what he wants and what's going to honor him in our lives, but also what's going to help us live to the full and in freedom. And I love Mm -hmm. that we're talking about this. So obviously we're talking a lot about the concept of image. What is your working definition of that concept kind of before we unpack more of this? So image in terms of defining it can be tricky because it's so Mm multidimensional. I think the initial thought around image is essentially your perception of self, the way that you view yourself, Mm -hmm. when something I think we don't often understand or I guess connect with is the fact that our image is so intertwined with with other perceptions as well. Mm. Um, And so often we can reference image based on comparison, whether it's... um, society at large, whether it's the working definition, friends, family, media. And so this is why it can be challenging because people often think about image. It's kind of like you versus you, where Mm. if you just heal the way that you view yourself, then you'll be okay. When we don't often understand that image so often is interdependent Mm -hmm. culturally Mm -hmm. on other perceptions as well. Right. And so part of the healing even around image it's it's not just perception of self it's reconciling the fact that i'm not actually trying to reflect the image of society i am i am actually trying to perform for an audience of one which is god right. you know right and so i just feel like you can't you can't define or look at image without fully understanding kind of like the greater context at large within mm-hmm. the conversation yeah like there's layers to it to take into account you're right it's not really a simple thing like it's not but totally. i think it's it's an important thing um so what are some of your big thoughts convictions 
concerning image and our our perception of ourselves our I don't know value of ourselves what are some of those big ones that you carry I think something that hurts my heart often in in this conversation is I think the scriptures in at times are often misused within this topic of conversation Mm. but I think something that I love so much is going back to the beginning to yeah. like just learn so much more about God's heart around image and and thinking about even what he says to be true what he establishes from the beginning is that we have been created in his image and that is good mm-hmm. and what's challenging I think and this is why there's even repentance with the way we think about repentance is that what we're taught is that our bodies aren't good and we have to make them good right. whether it's through purchasing a product, starting a diet, whatever, whatever the case may be for people. And then at some point feeling like now I am good enough versus this conviction that from the beginning, if God is the one that actually deems me to, to be good, do I have the faith to believe that? Wow. And is are my actions then flowing from that truth versus in this process of trying to earn goodness that, that God has actually gifted me. It's not something I have to work for. He just... Right. He just has given that to me already. Um, Another thing that I found to be probably the thing that cut me the most is, you know, a scripture that I often hear people use is our bodies are temples, right? Right. And there can be an association with that scripture about then how we treat our bodies. And most people make assumptions that because our our temples are bodies, we now have to look a certain way. Mm. And there is a very clear, I mean, if we were to reflect what, what are the things that we are taught within society, it is very clear what image uh, society hopes that we then reflect. When something that I was actually really interested in looking at one, the thing I love so much about God is that he is so in all of the details and cares about details in a way that sometimes I don't understand as someone who's very not detail oriented. It often baffles me how much God cares about the details. Uh But as I studied out things like the building of the temple, um, in Solomon's era and like in first Kings, it was just amazing to me how even biblically it was captured, how very specific, the temple was meant to be created. There was no kind of wiggle room or creative license. It was like the measurements of the wall will be this, you know, all these different things are, are very specific. And I, I was reflecting on it and I wonder, you know, as someone who would be part of that building process, if there was ever like a temptation to be like, well, I just feel like it would look nicer if it looked this way, or perhaps Mm -hmm. if we just made this room larger rather than this one or maybe added some stories or you know whatever and I think for myself as I connected that even to the scripture uh that we see in the new covenant where God actually says no you are the temple I think part of that for me as I've kind of explored image is this heart of am I submitting to God as being the architect or am I still trying to be the architect Uh, because it is clear that again, God in, in all of his wisdom has designed the temple according to his will, according to what he sees as good. Right. And again, from a body perspective, in contrast to the things that we've absorbed, it's like, am I actually submitting to the fact that God has outlined my body, that God has measured it out perfectly and that, you know, am I someone who's willing to be like the, the temple keeper where I just, I need to make sure that, you know, I'm cleaning it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the upkeep, but in no way does the temple maintenance person ever assume the right to change the temple. Right. It's just about having this mindset of how am I honoring and taking care of it versus being the one who's actually in the, in the seat of designer. Right. Wow, that's like killer. It makes me think of um, Isaiah 64, verse 8, too. I like the voice version of this, but it's basically saying, it says, you are our father. We are just clay. You are the potter. Mm -hmm. We are the product of your creative design or creative action, it says, shaped and formed into something of worth. And I love that you like took it all the way back to Genesis, too, where 
right after creation, before there's any earning, before there's any working, before there's any managing of anything, he's like, this is good. You are good. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's mm-hmm. so... It's weird, though, that that feels so, like, countercultural. Like, like I feel like we're working... We right. so often... I, I don't know if anyone's, like, explicitly saying this. Like, hey, work for that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't... I think it's just these things we pick up. But I love that you're talking about that. And I think that's really... It's just really freeing, but also refreshing to be so loved and so known, but also like so validated, I think, by God, before we have we feel like we have to go do all these things. And honestly, a lot of times we don't, but I think we put a lot of that on ourselves or it, it was interesting, too, when you're talking about image, because I think for me, a lot of times I wanted to see what your thoughts are on this. I think I I feel this is a narrative I have that I'm working on, but like I am who I think you think I am. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The but I just wanted to see what you thought about that and how that relates to us as Christians and kind of what to do with some of that narrative. Because I don't, I'm, I'm assuming I'm not alone. I'm assuming there's more people out there that carry that concept, you know? So I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Totally. I think something that I am personally learning and trying to grow in is that I think I can live my life as though I'm a mirror. Mm-hmm. And I just am trying to reflect expectations that people have of me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, my emotions can ebb and flow because I just am hoping that like what, re- what is reflected back is approval, acceptance, love that mm-hmm. everything that I'm hoping for can be again, given to me or that I can somehow control people's perceptions of me, Right. which again, it, it just becomes for me and what I, what I'm seeing more and more is it, it becomes a chasing after the wind to Mm -hmm. a degree where I just am chasing after something that I, again, can't earn, I can't control. Um, and I think a part of repentance for myself where it does have to be a mind change where rather than Mm -hmm. trying to reflect people, I I really have to seek reflecting God more and more. Right. Right. And what is it, do you think at its core Sorry, I'm just like riffing here because this is like fascinating to me. What do you think we are chasing? Like, what is it that we think? Maybe we should just speak for ourselves. Like, what what do you think like we're wanting or like hoping to find? You know what I mean? Yeah. I know for myself, this is why I feel like it's important to talk about everything relating to body on a much deeper level because sure we can talk about dieting sure we can talk about weight loss sure we can talk about all those things right but for myself it it was never about that like mm-hmm. I know even for myself some of the shame that I carried around weight uh, I I remember looking at videos of myself probably at my smallest mm-hmm. like in, within my smallest form uh and seeing like disgust on my face as I looked at my body Mm. and you know I've gained weight since then and I I in looking back I'm thinking man if if I was very obviously at a different weight point and was so dissatisfied with myself and I look back now and I'm like why don't you love yourself like if I had your body now I would be so happy and again it comes down to like that obviously it's I was never the issue because no matter how much weight I lost, no matter how many sit-ups I did, like it just was never enough. Mm-hmm. And so for myself, I've had to really grow deeper and deeper in awareness of like, what am I actually looking for right. in people? Like, what am I actually hoping for? And I think what I've realized is that I have internalized so many messages around, um, around, self-worth like just very much like being at a point where you know going back to the fourth grade I remember I moved to a new school and the first thing a friend told me within the first couple weeks is that people thought I was the ugly girl you know um or I remember in the eighth grade there was this guy who was essentially conveying like because I I was underweight for like elementary school, middle school, because I had a lot of health issues. And essentially what he had communicated was um, bones are for dogs. Essentially like just saying like nobody wants a skinny body like yours. Um, 
And so for so much of my life, I just heard messages of you're just not enough. And to me, that was just a point of this is something I can control. Like I can make people love me, make people accept me if I just change my body, if I just make, if I just have the right clothes, if I just do my hair right. Um, and I found the more and more that I chased those things, the more and more that I hit goals, the, the less happy I was, the less joyful I was. Because the truth is I can't control what people think about me. I can't, I can't make people love me. And if that's something that I'm pursuing within all of that, I'm just going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And so the more that I was clear and in touch with almost like the little person inside of me that was just crying out for love and acceptance, the more that I could then deal with the right issue versus in trying to pursue things that just weren't helpful. That is so powerful. I, thank you so much for sharing all that. I think you're right. I think at its core, it's good to dig. And, and I think so much of this has to do with like repair, right? Like these like messages, these these narratives, these, I don't know, like you, I think we all have our own stories, our own comments that maybe were made, you know what I mean? 10, 20 years, who knows how many years ago that stick with us or generational things too, you know? Like I I was curious though, like, what what are some of the truths that you ground in and hold to when you feel this struggle? Because I'm sure it doesn't just go away. Like, I think that's, sometimes I'll feel really grounded in this and like, wow, I've grown so much, you know? And then it's like, all of a sudden something will happen that'll trigger like a ton of reactions or overreactions to myself and how I view myself or how I relate to others and things like that. So what are some of the truths that you ground in that help you through some of those times when you do feel tempted to maybe just like re-engage in some of these other things that we're trying to not, you know, go to? We want to go to God. We want to try to find wholeness in him. Uh, but yeah, what what are some of those things you hold to? First of all, they're just, I just have to be wrapped in grace when it yeah, comes to this issue. Right. It's just, it hits at such a vulnerable part of ourselves. Right that to expect change one is just not in our hands. It's so in the hands of God, right. Of just right. like the healing process. And so just being wrapped in grace and mercy as I deal with it, because again, as someone who talks about it all the time, mm -hmm. it's like a conversation I'm always having. I'm a huge advocate for it. I still really struggle. There's still some days where I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Like I woke up this morning and you know, when you just like, you know, you didn't wash your makeup off the night before you're just looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, you're looking a little rough, but <laughs> we're going to work on it. We're, you know, but again, it's just as like, there are just those days. And, um, it's not a, it's so funny how perfection driven I can be in this, where it's like, I have to love myself perfectly where it just is like, I, if anything, it reveals my humanity more and more and my need for right. God more and more. So right. there just has to be a lot of grace there. Yes, definitely. Um, I do think that I have to be really clear about the things that, where the world is trying to form me. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's something that I've heard from a young age and something that I think the world is always trying to get my brain to absorb is that I have to be at a specific weight point. Right. Um, that unless my body looks this way, that I'm not acceptable there's just nothing in the Bible that says that's true. Mm. There's just nothing. Mm. I have no idea even what Eve looks like. Right. Um, we can project our perceptions of Eve as Western people. I mean, that's a big issue, right? As we see totally. white Jesus, it's like Jesus totally. was not white. Right. <laughs> um, so, but we, again, we can assume what God created as good and what her body looked like, small wow. waist, large breasts, you know, whatever, hips, but no tummy where it just is like, I don't know. And so I, I know, I know what's good for my body and I just have to be really clear on asking myself the right questions versus mm. going back to tendencies that tend to be more fear-based and control-based. Right. Um, the other thing is I have to be adamant with addressing the trap of comparison. Yeah. Because I really feel like one, something that I think about often is how many issues happen because of globalization. Like there's so many benefits to it, but at the same time, like culturally, 
I'm not just comparing myself to people within my village. I'm comparing myself to people like across the world right. um, that, that just are different than me. Right. And unfortunately we live in a world that is not, that can sometimes claim diversity being good um, but often like undercuts the beauty of diversity. And I feel like even just from within a body lens, it is true that God has, is just the master of diversity. He just creates beautiful, beautifully different things. Mm-hmm. And so for myself also having to just uh, not fall into the trap of comparing myself, right. but really learning to be grounded in worshiping God in all of what he does and not just in the very specific things that he does. So those are three things that I are helpful. Um, and yeah, so those are things that have been helpful for me. That is like amazing. I love that. And I loved what you said, like, got to wrap this stuff in grace. Like we are working, like this is very countercultural, counter dark forces work we're yes. doing. Like, And I don't think that's an overstatement. Like there are billion dollar industries working against us and and these psychological points we have that they can, you know what I mean? Like we are, Mm -hmm. some of the best and brightest minds are literally putting out stuff and developing things that make this so much harder. You know what I mean? Like obviously to make a buck, I get that. But I think we have to remember that like, wow, like that's huge. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I just think that this whole like conversation just reminds me that God truly cares about the heart and, you know, not about what you look like on the outside, but he also cares about, you know, how you feel about yourself. Like he wants you to feel like beautifully and wonderfully made. And we are competing with like the narrative of the world. And um, like, that's a really interesting perspective. I never really thought about, you know, how we have this new level of like comparing ourselves with like on a global scale rather than just like in our own community or village. And and I just think that it, it shows that like, obviously globalization has so many benefits And um, God has used that in like amazing ways um, in connecting with people. But Satan just like uses every good thing to find a way to like trip us up or Mm -hmm. plant a seed of insecurity or doubt within ourselves. And so it's always good to be like on the lookout for that, you know, like Mm -hmm. on guard all the time. Like they're is an enemy like prowling after us um and he targets our insecurities there's a scripture um second corinthians 4 4 it says the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of christ who is the image of god and Mm. i just think that sometimes like you know, even as Christians were sometimes blinded by the God of this age. And I think Mm. in our culture, like the age that we're in, our God is image. And like, that's what we're tempted by to, you know, set our standards to and, and just, you know, seeking self-interest and trying to look the best uh, be better than others. And, um, so we just have to be like really, um, on guard with that and, uh, really try to align ourselves with like the image of God, like what he wants our lives to look, look like. So. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is- that's such a powerful passage. Um, it's interesting even just to kind of piggyback on what you guys are sharing, you know, something that I love about 
uh, a life pursuing godliness is there is like the question of what fruit are you bearing? Mm -hmm. And even in thinking about what the world has to offer again, as, as was mentioned, there's so much investment poured into solving this problem. Mm. And if it were as simple as what the world states it is, we, we would be done by now. I would have done the diet and I would be just on my merry way, but no, it's like, I'm still stuck in this cycle. Um, of self-hatred of again whatever goal that i'm chasing even when i reach it still is just like filling this empty pit and so i love to me what's challenging is that health because it's so interconnected with spirituality it can almost feel like what we're taught in wellness culture almost aligns with our spirituality Mm. rather than having the critical thinking of but wait, I know that some of the words we're even using sound spiritual, but is it reflective of the heart that God hopes that we pursue? Or, uh, or again, does it bear the fruit right. that God hopes for our lives? And I think that's an important question to ask ourselves. That is huge. Like what fruit is this bearing? Whether that be comparison or whatever, like it might not feel like, or even like the concepts that don't aren't so obviously not in line with God's will for us. It's like, what fruit is this bearing? And I think that shows the health of the tree. And is this really good and godly and loving? That's huge. Like, I I just keep going back to comparison for some reason in my mind because I think that's what, maybe that's that's what feels prominent right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't see that bearing any healthy fruits of the spirit or fruit that produces anything that's going to help myself or help others. Like, I was thinking a lot about how these things affect us relationally, like image, like mm. it is, it feels like such an individual struggle, right? To figure, and like you said, if there was some magic thing, we'd just figure it out and then we'd be past it. But I'm, I've talked to women in every single age, like life stage, and this affects them in one way or another, you know, like I shouldn't speak for everyone. I'm just saying I've, there's been representation of every like there's not a point where you mature out of this like right like we don't mature out of our humanity so this is something we have to kind of work with but God gives us the tools to do so but Patty what do you think about the like how this affects our relationships and and what does God have in store for us maybe as we navigate these things and grow through these things and heal through these things in terms of our one another relationships I can definitely share the ways that it's affected me and feel like as I've shared with people, it all, it often feels very reminiscent of what other people struggle with. But one, even just thinking about God's plan for unity, just in these like one other relationships, the closeness there, I think when I've been trapped in self-comparison or criticalness towards self or whatever, it's almost created barriers between people and myself Mm -hmm. like if there were people even in my life who I felt adopted the beauty standards of today and I felt like I was falling short I just felt like it was really hard to connect with them because I just Mm. I felt like my heart was like full of envy and jealousy and again Mm. comparison like often almost feeling like my head's hanging low in your presence I just feel like I've failed like if there's Mm. a prize for beauty you've won it and I'm just on the sidelines like hoping to do better next time you know wow and so just on a like relational level I often felt with certain individuals that I my confidence could go I could start the day off feeling great and then almost like an ego uh like if I, if ego is a balloon, it's like, it just has been popped. Right. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel horrible about myself suddenly. And so rather than like genuinely learning again, to celebrate, appreciate people, connect, be vulnerable. I'm just stuck in this feeling of, am I enough that, you know, um, but on another level, I mean, something that I remember, uh, New Year's Eve in quarantine, we had a few people over And I remember we were taking pictures and, you know, obviously you take pictures and you're like, let me see, let me see. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I looked at the pictures and I immediately felt horrible about myself. I was Mm -hmm. like the lighting, the angle, Mm -hmm. you just, and what was, what was interesting is the moment right before that I was enjoying myself. Like we were having a great time. Mm -hmm. It, It was quality fellowship time, but I just, again, these like 
almost these moments of suddenly feeling disconnected from being present and wanting to like withdraw. Right. But I've heard a lot of women share. I, I feel like being in group settings is hard because I feel so afraid around food. I feel afraid that I'm mm. going to eat something I shouldn't. So I feel like I have to be very like calculated. Some people feel like I don't love the way that I look. I've gained weight. So I feel like I can't show up to these things. I don't, right. want, I don't want someone to comment on my body. Yeah. Again, I, I've met so many women who have very few pictures of themselves in like settings where you want to capture memories because they're just so afraid of the image like the picture right Right. and so just on a like connection level it can so it can just have such deep there can be such deep wounds there but just even on the being present level I feel like it, it can just be really difficult to enjoy life just in general totally it's kind of like this default like a back like there's like you know when you're on your computer and you have a couple tabs open and there's like music mm-hmm. playing on one of the tabs but it's not the one you're actually looking at? Like it's so yes, distracting. Yes. Like you cannot function and live presently and love wholeheartedly with these yes. tracks playing. Like it just, you can't do both. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And it's so hard to appreciate the good in us, the good that God's done in us and others when we're in these uh, I don't know what to even describe it as, but like lines of thinking or, um, and it can feel very, uh, like, uh, it just feels like chains. It really does. Like, it feels like these things yes. we have to drag around and take with us everywhere. And they might even prevent us from going certain places or being fully yeah. there. I've had those experiences, like what you talked about in New Year's Eve. That is so real. Like you just put it in, you articulated something that I have not been able to articulate, but those moments yes. where you switch and it's almost like Satan asking those questions like, Hey, are you really good? Like, are you really lovable? Yes. Like, are you really like, I know you were having a good time, but like, are you really, do you think these people are thinking this? Like, these little tiny mm-hmm. questions that I think he just plants these seeds and it can not just ruin the night, but really ruin our our view of ourselves, our, our view of community. Like, like you said, our ability to be present, which is so Jesus. Like when I look at him in the gospels, he's so present. I mean, he lives with such an eternal perspective, but he's always fully with people, fully engaged. And I think, I, I don't think I'm able to do that and engage with people like that when I, I'm kind of stuck in some of these patterns. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I'm sure other people relate, but as we kind of navigate these things and feel a lot of internal and maybe external pressure too, like I don't under, I don't undervalue those comments that are made, those things we hear directly from people maybe trying to be helpful. I don't know, but the, some of it's external as well, the pressure and expectations we feel. What are things you would identify as maybe unhelpful, but then maybe also some that are helpful um, as we're kind of journeying this this path? So I, it's funny because I definitely come from a very specific perspective as far as like, this is what to me, what's been most healthy. I'm not necessarily going to share those things. If you want to chat more about that, I'd be happy to, because I really feel like people do what's best for them and there's not a one size way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But in terms of things I know for myself have been unhelpful just across the board, I don't think it's helpful for people in general, um, are to make goals for themselves that are focused on changing your body because it can, it can focus on building habits that are, are, more fear-based mm. rather than freedom-based mm. where something that I talk about with people often is like, Hey, if, cause a lot of, I hear a lot of people share things like, I don't feel like myself. I don't feel good. Right. And you know, some alternative things are like, Hey, perhaps focusing on stamina. If you're just like, I, I want to be able to be up and moving around more. I, you know, even when it comes to fitness, like just being more clear of what that means. Cause when I've said that in the past, it's, I want a flat stomach. That's really what I want. Right. Fitness of how, right. how much I can lift had nothing to do with it. I really just wanted the body. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, but what does that mean? Okay. For me, it was like, I want to be able to carry my groceries <laughs> and not feel like I'm dying once I get into the door, you right. know? Um, right. And so different things like that, where there's so many goals that we can actually make that help fuel uh, this like freedom feeling of, 
I get to versus I have to. Right. Um, Because again, when it comes to honoring our bodies, like going back to the temple, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. if I'm so fearful about how it looks, everything I do, I just am dreading, right? Versus like, wow, I just get to like continue to make this be the best it can be. Like, yeah, I'm going to sweep. It might seem like even going for walks, right? Like, that's not super glorified and that, that doesn't immediately change my physique in the way I hope it, it does. But man, it's so good for me. And I just want to do yeah. that for my body, you know? Right. Um, and so I think something for me, again, that's unhelpful is, and something that allows it to be helpful is really establishing and reflecting on whether my goals are fear motivated or freedom motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, So in terms of what's helpful, um, I know just in terms of growing, as I mentioned before, just growing more and more in self, self self-awareness around these issues, because I think even for myself, like at the height of my disordered habits, I didn't even see how harmful they were because I was so disconnected to my why. Mm. Um, again, I could continue the same habits that I did but with just a, a healthier motivation, like, yeah. again, I was going to the gym often. That doesn't have, that's not necessarily inherently bad. No. When I think yeah. about why I was doing it, um, it, it was very insecurity driven. And so when I would think about even like the way that I exercise, something that became helpful was if, if I am, you know, even in the mindset of, I do want to honor my body, I am actually willing to skip a gym day if that's actually what I need. Right. Versus in the past, I would be so afraid of weight gain that I would injure myself. I'd have like these cyclical injuries because I would, I would just push my body. Wow. Yeah. But again, just having the clarity and the self-awareness around my why just helped me break cycles because I, I, was so much more clear about my motivation rather than in just doing things that seemed right to me. Right. Um, and another thing was similar to what I just said, like just distinguishing the difference between honoring and punishing Wow. because something that I would do often was I would, I would go to the gym cause I was like yesterday I ate pizza and brownies and mm-hmm like, how dare you body? You need to almost like Mm. kind of bounce back from that. Right. Which is not helpful because that's not honoring to my body. It is looking at it with like kind of the finger, you Mm -hmm. know, pointing at it, like, how dare you? And, Mm -hmm. and I think about the way that I want to pursue honoring my body. It really has to align with God's love and It's, it's been helpful for me to even look through first Corinthians 13 and think about like, am I patient with my body? You know, all the different like elements of love is that it, would I characterize the way I treat my body and within that language. Wow. And so distinguishing the two, I think is helpful for me. Um, and lastly, on a helpful level, for me, just on a, on a faith level, I think I've had to really reflect on what steps of faith God actually desires for me to take in my health journey mm-hmm. in the way of just trusting him a lot right. more deeply because so much, as mentioned previously, faith is so, can be so muddy. Like the wa- these waters can be really hard to distinguish that to me, I, I've had to reflect on it, am I growing more and more in my submission to God's will, my, my love for God's will for myself, or am I trying to control what my body's going to look like, control the narrative of my, of, of how I'm perceived, et cetera. Right. And so those are a few things that to me have been helpful. I love that. And it just goes back to your idea of God being the architect. Like that is not like knowing our role. Like I love that, like reestablishing what is my role? What What is God's? You know what I mean? And entrusting and submitting to that even and then enjoying mm-hmm. that. I think delighting in that like is so amazing. Like I, I often find myself kind of frazzled by trying to shape myself. Like the, I think this even applies spiritually as well as physically. You know what I mean? Like rather than just entrusting and submitting and even delighting and being formed by God, right? Like 
and he says mm-hmm. we are good and in operating out of that posture i love that you talked about motivation too i think that's huge because and I, and I think you're right it's not so much getting into this is what you do this is what you don't do but it's it's the motivation it's the heart behind it and that's what god always gets down to with us you know what i mean like that's what we see jesus do all the time like people ask him about different topics issues symptoms whatever and he's like no let's get to the heart of this you know and i think yeah. that's where true healing and freedom really lies and there's so much in store and so much more to enjoy you know when we're operating out of that posture um so speaking of all of this and I wanted you to talk a little bit about Jesus 8 too because that's kind of how I even connected with you in the first place mm-hmm. um could you share a little bit about Jesus 8 too? So Jesus ate two was something, uh, it's just as funny thinking about its origin stories because I started it, uh, as I became more and more clear of my need for recovery in this area, cause I just had so many disordered habits that were mm. just harmful for myself. And the initial goal actually was to just post really funny and satirical memes mm-hmm. to just like, I don't know, just, which I just fully enjoy. <laughs> yeah, right. If you look at some of them, they're still on there. They're really low quality, but they just have to <laughs> laughing. But, and, um, I just feel grateful because I feel like, again, what's so cool about the way that God works is that though the investment that I've done in my personal healing, it's not void in the sense of it's not just for me. It's not the fruits of that have not just helped me. I've been able to see the way that God has allowed Jesus to, to evolve in a way where there is like a community there that Mm. there are like groups of both men and women who can connect in just the ways that are, our humanity is so interconnected both in in the things that we've been taught the things that we've absorbed and the things that we struggle with Mm -hmm. and the things we hope for and so now gs82 is like a place where i hope people can come to not just find answers to some of these questions but also can have a space to explore what that means for their faith right because i mean there are a number of people i can direct people to but i think the thing that i often struggled with is really wanting uh also deeper conviction around like what god also wants me to hear Mm -hmm. within all of this and so um i did not expect for gs82 to evolve i honestly thought there was gonna be like five followers including myself like it just was like not um but i'm really grateful for the community that god has allowed to grow from there that's so cool well i just think it's amazing like I, i genuinely like i think it's so cool to see and even experience the spirit's work in and through you and you allowing that to happen and how that's influenced me personally but other people like that is so cool and really refreshing and I really appreciate it kind of the ministry that that's become right like is that what Mm -hmm. you would I mean I don't know what you would call it but that's what it feels like to me (laughs) totally yeah and it's just as funny because I feel like it's I feel like God keeps pushing me out of my comfort zone right. faith wise, because that's just not what I, that was not my intention. Yeah. Um, but it's cool to be able to, you know, I've been able to connect with a lot of people who are like exploring faith and right. have questions around this issue with, so it just, yeah, very much feels like a ministry in terms of tending to Christians all around the world who are struggling with this, as well right. as people who feel like they want to hear the voice of God mm-hmm. um, that, that may not be familiar with it. Right. And I think that's why it's so cool. Like what I see in you is this integration. Like there's this spiritual, like you've applied kind of like you put your money where your mouth is like these spiritual concepts that you use to define yourself in life, but you apply them in every area as opposed to this compartmentalization. Like I feel like a lot of fracturing around some of these ideas. And so it's so, Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's so refreshing when somebody's kind of bringing them all together and integrating their faith in every area of their life um, in, in such a, amazing way so what do you want to leave our listeners with as we kind of wrap up here like is there a quote is there a mantra like what would you especially if, if a lot of what you said resonated with them what would you want to leave them with as they you know approach whatever the next thing they're doing in their day so if up until this point you just are like this is just total baloney I just disagree <laughs> I just feel like the way I'm doing things is right um I think the things I hope for people to hear is not just the ways that we ourselves can experience freedom, but the way that even generationally we can pass that freedom on to Mm. people. 
I think a reason why even the movie like Encanto is like so resonates with so many people is just this possibility for generational healing Mm -hmm. and knowing how so much of this issue is grounded in trauma right and the things like our personal experiences and you know mom if you're listening to this I love you you're the best Um, But even thinking about in the last year, what powerful and groundbreaking conversations her and I have been able to have about the things that we've internalized and almost like passed on, you know, and I think for myself, the hope that I have, even for, you know, if, if I ever have kids is just this hope that there is a possibility that my, my daughter does not wrestle with this to the extent I have, you know, thinking about my mom thinking about myself it's like okay I've I've been able to experience healing in a way she didn't get the opportunity to and what what great joy I have in thinking about how uh children generations to come don't actually have to deal with this and and not that they're immune to temptation or sin or brokenness but that we're actually as I heal from the things that I'm dealing with that I can then pass on those truths to people rather than projecting some of the trauma, some of the hurt, some of the things I've internalized unknowingly onto people. And so if you're thinking about, man, what do I want my kids to walk away with? Like, do I want my kids to be dealing with what I'm dealing with now? If it's no, then let's work on some things together, you know? Yep. Totally. I know as a, I have a daughter. And so some of these concepts I, I view so differently because I'm like, I want better for her. Like mm-hmm. I, how I treat myself is never how I would want anyone to treat her or her to think about herself. And that is like, woo, red flag there. But I love your message of hope. I love how much faith you have in all of this. And it's like, there is like, nothing is out of God's arm, arm reach, right? Like there's so much healing mm-hmm. that can happen. And and like you said, these chains can definitely be broken. So, Patty, thank you so much. Consider me inspired. I am <laughs> so grateful. I do feel like this was like a chain breaker of a conversation. And mm. thank you so much for your time and your refreshing insights. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to connecting with your community as well. Of course. We will put links in, in the show notes if anybody wants mm-hmm. to, um, if they're not already and you want to go check out Patty and some of her content there, want to connect with her more. Um, I do think at the core of this, you know, a, a lot of it has to go with what we define ourselves by. And we are pursuing wholeness, right? But we won't find that in an ideal and whether that be a body type or a circumstance, but we do, we carry that deep ache for shalom, you know, and that wholeness, that contentment to be fully integrated humans, right? Body, soul, mind, all the above, Um, not so fractured. And how beautiful that this is God's redeeming design, you know, and his plan for us, and we can carry that. So we're going to end this episode with a psalm of promise and of hope as we navigate these waters. Psalm 23, verse 3, the voice says, He makes me whole again, steering me off worn, hard paths to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time on the podcast. We are one.